everyone. This is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today we have Mrs. Laura Retzloff in the booth and Mr. Chad Wiles, and we're going to be talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. But first, Laura, how are you? We haven't heard you on the podcast it's been for a, minute. a very long time. It's been a minute. We've Thanks for having me. We've had you on after <laughs> your recent marriage. I know it's been four months now, but yeah, it, but it still was. I appreciated your. It was like concentration, Mrs. Laura Retzloff. Mrs. It's, it's Laura Retzloff these days. <laughs> Counselor extraordinaire. I think that's what she wanted you to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's good. It's thanks for having me on the podcast. It's been a while. We've been we've had a lot going on. We've been busy, haven't we? We've done a couple things. Yeah, one or yeah, I'm two. Tired. I'm tired. Chad's I'm tired. tired. <laughs> Go get some more coffee, Chad. <laughs> But I'm good. Thanks for asking, Mike. Yeah, good. Yeah, Chad, how are you doing? How's how's the family? How's everything going? We know you're tired, but besides that, <laughs> stay tired. It's good, man. The, the Lord's been gracious to us uh, in this season of busyness. We've enjoyed just good time together, and and uh, the Lord keeps refueling me each day. Praise God. And so um, I'm grateful to be a part of what we get to do here. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if we need to look at how to stay busy and yet continue to glorify God. We just need mm-hmm. to look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. This man who was God was the most busy, mm-hmm. right? Foregoing mm-hmm. sleep to pray, uh, working hard all day and all night, and yet still kept a cool, right? Wasn't irritated by people, didn't mm-hmm. try to get away just to get away from people. So many times he was, you know, quote unquote, interrupted from getting some alone time, right? Mm-hmm. But he never, uh, never once was angry about it, always pouring out himself for the glory of God. And so today we are going to talk about trauma. But before we jump into that topic, I want to just let y'all listeners know about some of the things that we have coming up because yeah. we've been mentioning that we're busy. Got a few things. We have a few things coming up. So this Saturday, a couple of days from today, we have our trauma seminar. Yeah, first one. First one ever, mm-hmm. two hours from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's going to be held at the Nehemiah Project. Mm-hmm. We're located at 1200 West Causeway Approach, Suite 21, right here in Mandeville, Louisiana. And the cost is $99 to attend. But Laura, why don't you just give us a brief sort of overview about what the attenders can expect at the seminar? Absolutely. So as you may know, we have a high demand for counseling in this area, and it's been a struggle for us to meet it. And so as we were praying through how can we um, extend help to more people in a more effective way, um, God kind of gave us this idea of why don't we offer seminars where that are kind of topical, where a person who is affected by it in some way, whether it's something that they struggle with personally or someone in their world um, is struggling with, that they can come and learn a biblical perspective on that issue um, and then also how we respond to it from a biblical counseling perspective. So that's really what to expect for Saturday is we're going to look at the topic of trauma and we're going to raise the question, um, how do we define trauma from a biblical worldview, from a biblical perspective? How should we respond to it biblically, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally, how? what are some specific ways that we deal with it in biblical counseling? And hopefully that can be a jumping off point for people Um for them to be able to discern, maybe this is something I need to do further counseling with, or maybe this is something that God is already working out in my life, um, or maybe this is going to determine how I then love others um, who are walking through trauma. So, yeah, so that's what we're doing on Saturday. 
Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue to do these seminars. We're going to continue to do also the marriage workshops. We've mm-hmm. got that the next one starting up March 3rd. Yeah. Um, already have some people signing up for that through the early bird pricing, which unfortunately just ended right. this past week. But, you know, the cost is still f- extremely low compared to actually coming in for 20 weeks of marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you are a married couple out there or if you are thinking about getting married, um, I couldn't stress to you enough the importance of attending this marriage workshop. You know, my wife and I, mm-hmm. Chad, we uh, we got our premarital counseling from you and it definitely equips uh, the people who attend the the seminar or, you know, who have the marriage counseling with you. It definitely equips us, mm-hmm. certainly equip my wife and I for, I mean, the challenge that is marriage, the mm-hmm. wonderful challenge that yeah. is marriage. Mm-hmm. Nothing more sanctifying than marriage. Indeed. Yeah. And then you add a kid and it's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to your point, some people ask, like, well, was it just if we have a lot of major problems? And no, this right. this workshop's designed in a way that if you are having issues, it will be very helpful. If you're if you have a good marriage but just want to continue to strengthen and grow in it, it'll be helpful in that way. Or if you are engaged to be married, this is a great premarital tool. So yeah. um, that's who this is for, and you can sign up for that online at tmproject.org as well as for the trauma seminar you can sign mm-hmm. up there as well so. yeah yeah and i'll just add one more reason why this is good for married couples it's also like insurance when the problems do come oh yeah you know how to handle them mm-hmm. yeah deposit it in the bank right mm-hmm. and you'll know how to go oh yeah i remember chad and laura they, they said during a marriage workshop if this happens then we're gonna you know mm-hmm. look to the word in this particular area for it and whatnot mm-hmm. so we've got a lot of other things coming up but let's get to the reason for this podcast trauma. Now, as we were talking about trauma um, leading up to this podcast, Laura, you had mentioned that there's one place in the entire Bible that the word trauma is used. The reason for that is only because the actual word that we use for trauma is actually a transliteration of the Greek. Mm. And as we know, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so, yes, the place that it's used in scripture is actually in the New Testament, Mm. but it's Jesus who is in the synagogue in Nazareth, yeah. and he is reading that prophecy from Isaiah and then proclaims that it is being fulfilled in their hearing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm so excited to talk about that passage. <laughs> but before we get to it, let's just talk about like why we even should look to Scripture yeah. you know, to define this issue because um, I think what you said is, is exactly right, that it kind of raises the question of why are we even talking about this, yeah. right? Well, we're talking about it. And feel free to jump in, Chad, but we're talking about it because this is a hot button topic in Mm -hmm. culture right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's not very many people that we're finding who come in for counseling that haven't dealt with some type of trauma. Mm -hmm. And even in the world, you know, my wife was mentioning this the other day. She's like, I have so many friends and and it feels like everyone's talking about how they were molested as a kid or mm. or they their kids have been exposed to it or and so there's so much in our culture right now um that people are faced with that could produce trauma and mm. so it is something that we desperately need to understand mm. how to find hope in the lord through this let's define it real quick because mm. like i'm thinking everybody in the world just experienced <laughs> this thing called covid and this lockdown thing sure. that happened so does that qualify as trauma? I mean, trauma seems to me, just mm-hmm. as a uh, you know, an outsider looking in, so to speak, like what's well, pretty broad. Yeah, and that's kind of part of the issue of why we're addressing it is mm-hmm. it's become very subjective, right? So, right. like almost 
Um, and it, probably because of social media and stuff. Mm. It's, and it's become like a byword in culture. Like, yeah. oh, I was traumatized. Which, you may not. Like, it's right, people not. Was it really trauma it, yeah. or yeah. was it not? Right, yeah, right, and right. I think even in that, part of what culture speaks to is like my trauma becomes a justification for how I live and act. Mm. And so if I can attribute my mistreatment of you or whatever it is mm-hmm. to my trauma, and I'm not trying to diminish it because for some people – their trauma is very real, right? Mm-hmm. But we've also, I think, kind of lessened our clarity about the term because it it's claimed very frequently, yeah, mm-hmm. right? And so, what does it even mean, right? So, um, the the world has a lot of opinions on this one, but as we've yeah. been researching, the most kind of agreed upon definition, um, di- dictionary definition, if you will. Um, so not I'm not speaking to the biblical definition, but the way that the world would define it mm-hmm. is a deeply disturbing or distressing experience, mm-hmm. which is why it's subjective. Because yeah, what, I, what I find to be distressing might not be what you find yeah, to be right. distressing, you know. And COVID's a and good example. And how deep is too deep, right? Like yeah. deeply mm-hmm. disturbing. You know? Right. And COVID is a perfect example because mm. for some people being stuck at home, I mean, for me, being stuck at home with my toddler alone for six weeks was like nightmarish. I was wanting to get out. Yeah. But for other people, it was like, oh, I can finally work on my garden and I never want to go back to work. You know, right. now we have all these companies that are like, nope, we're just yeah. remote. You know, everybody yeah. works from home. And so that experience was interpreted very differently by people. And sure. so mm-hmm. if we dig into it a little bit, Further, again, from the scientific perspective, from the world's perspective, we could get more specific and say that trauma is a distressing or disturbing experience that causes a response from your sympathetic nervous system. Mm. Okay, so are you guys familiar with how the nervous system works? How, how deep should we get into this? Yeah, let's go, get, let's just get, get, let's get deep. deep. <laughs> let's get super deep into this. Let's take the snorkels off. Yeah, come on. <laughs> let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> Scuba gear <So>, on. <laughs> as you know, we all have a nervous system, deep. right? We have nerves that run um, primarily. They st- It's what connects our brain to our body, right? Right. Through our spinal cord. Um, but it connects to every organ mm-hmm. um and it's kind of the communication system of our of our body right yeah so we have two components of that nervous system we have the parasympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. and the sympathetic nervous system and they have different roles they respond at different times so mm-hmm. right now we're sitting in a room and it's comfortable and you know we feel mm-hmm. relatively safe and so our parasympathetic nervous system is what is dictating and communicating from our brain to our body systems mm-hmm. how they should function right so our um heart rate is probably relatively low like at a resting rate mm-hmm. right um our pupils are not dilated right we're able mm-hmm. to focus on things our digestive systems are working we just heard Chad stomach right. growl a minute Chad's ago working overtime right now <laughs> So he's hungry, right? So the fact that the fact that his digestive system is working right now tells us that his body is at rest. He it's not perceiving any threats, right? Everything's cool, calm, collected. I'm um, feeling triggered right now. I'm sorry. It's I'm deeply disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> so when our brain perceives a threat is when our nervous system shifts over to that sympathetic nervous system. Okay. And mm-hmm. so the the example that I usually like to give to my clients is if you were walking through the woods and a, you saw a big old grizzly bear come across your path, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. usually give one of a few responses, right? Mm-hmm. And we can talk about this in a second. You know, the they talk about flight. the fight or flight or freeze response, right? Of, well, I would just 
be so scared I would freeze. I wouldn't know what to do. Or mm. I'd start running the other direction or mm. I'd reach for my pistol or whatever it is, mm. right? So then I asked the question, okay, so did you have to think about what that response was going to be? Mm. And they're saying, well, no, it's just a survival instinct. You just react, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because when your sympathetic nervous system fires, you're shifting over into like survival mode, right? Which is this mechanism that God gave us to preserve our lives that mm. we don't have to stop and go, that is a large brown furry animal. It has large claws. <laughs> it has big teeth. You don't have to go through that process. Right, you know right. it's a threat. You react to the threat, mm-hmm. right? And so this changes the way that our body starts to work, right? Our heart rate might increase. Our pupils are going to dilate. Um, things like your digestive system that's going to shut down that process because there's more important stuff going on, right? Mm-hmm. Your adrenal glands start releasing things like adrenaline and cortisol, right? Um, and so as all of this is happening, your brain begins to process this experience differently mm-hmm. than if you were calm, right, and your mm-hmm. parasympathetic nervous system was happening. And so again, to circle back to what is trauma, we we would we could agree, right, that from a from a scientific perspective, that um trauma is is the type of event that would cause you to perceive a threat and for your sympathetic nervous system to take over communication of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the physiological response mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that event. So it's still somewhat subjective right because what makes my sympathetic nervous system right. might fire might be different mm-hmm. than what makes your sympathetic sure nervous you have like fire. the navy seal who's trained themselves exactly. to mm-hmm. you know think clearly through that mm-hmm. so yeah that's a good point to bring up right. right um but there are certain signs like you said from the physiology that we can look at to kind of determine whether or not this is something that was truly traumatic or you know it's this is a, an important mm-hmm. distinction that we should mm-hmm. talk about right yeah is there are forms of suffering that are not trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Trauma is a form of suffering, but not all suffering is trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that's where the world gets it wrong. If there's any sort of discomfort, it seems like people start to call that trauma mm-hmm. when that's not the case. Mm-hmm. It really, you you can speak more to this because you've been doing the research on it, but it, uh, trauma seems to, to be more clarified when there is a, a physiological response, but also shaping how you view yourself in life as a result of that event Mm -hmm. right right so we're going to get into this more on on saturday but essentially the main point of what you're saying is Mm -hmm. that um our memories and the reason why our brains respond to events in the present the way that they do is based partially Mm -hmm. on our past experience right Mm -hmm. and so if your past experience as a child has taught you that certain situations are always dangerous then it would make sense that as an adult that you mm-hmm. just tend to respond out of perceiving that danger um, because of your past experiences, because of your trauma, instead of mm-hmm. based on a true assessment of whether or not that their threat is really there, right? So for right. example, it might be difficult for a person who has experienced trauma as a child at the hands of someone who had maybe spiritual influence in their lives mm-hmm. to be trusting of pastors or Sunday school teachers or people who, you know, want to invest in them spiritually because they've now become Mm -hmm. skeptical or they perceive a threat. Right. Right. And that is based primarily on their traumatic past memory Mm -hmm. rather than an assessment of, is this person a safe person or not? Right. Um, And so that gets brought to bear in the counseling room for us because Mm -hmm. part of working with trauma is analyzing what a is what of your beliefs about God, mm-hmm. yourself, and others 
are being informed more by your experiences than by the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. And, you know, helping people to realize that God can bring healing and restoration Mm -hmm. um, where damage has been done and that they can come to a place of responding in health um, rather than reacting out of past trauma. Yeah, speak to, you and I were talking about this the other day when we were working through our notes. You were talking about the function of memory. Mm -hmm. I think this would be good for people to hear and understand because one of the mistakes I think that's made due to trauma Mm -hmm. is that people trust their experiences Mm -hmm. or trust how they perceive something Mm -hmm. as a way to designate how they uh, evaluate their future. Mm -hmm. And we can't do that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So... Speak to that aspect of memory. Yeah, so it kind of it comes from that assumption that like experience is the best teacher, but it's not, mm-hmm. right? We know as believers that God's word is the best teacher. It's mm-hmm. the only reliable teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't diminish the reality of painful experiences, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the question you were you were raising is I kind of asked you the question, I think, of, like, mm-hmm. what do you think the purpose of memories are? Mm-hmm. And um, I've asked a few people just to kind of see what they say. And usually... That's not a deep question or anything. No. You should be able to answer that. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? What do you think the purpose of memories oh, are? Oh, that's good. Well, there's a couple of ways you can approach that question. Mm-hmm. So let's approach it from, like, just the immediate... Yeah, like, what's let's your just immediate say, Let's just say if my immediate thought is memories help us understand our position in the world that we find ourselves and then create a story about who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really what I think memories do for us, just looking at it topically. Mm -hmm. But we know that the Bible says that the whole world lies in the hand of the evil one. And we know that he is the father of lies Mm -hmm. and that he, and he uses deception. Mm -hmm. We know that we are prone to that deception Mm -hmm. based on the biblical record and just based Mm -hmm. on common sense experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when you said, Laura, that experience is not the best teacher. Uh, The word of God is the best teacher because the word of God is pure truth. Mm -hmm. It's unbending, Mm -hmm. uncompromising, does not change, doesn't care what you say. It is what it is. He is who he is, the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so our experience can be extremely beneficial, but if it's not filtered through the the word of God, that's Mm -hmm. where the deception begins and that's where it remains. Mm -hmm. And so we need to have our minds renewed in the text of scripture. This must occur. And while you guys were um, discussing just all of the physiological aspects, I was thinking, goodness gracious, <laughs> the power of having hope mm. is um, indescribable. Mm-hmm. It's right. indescribable. You know, we've all been through hard stuff in our life. You know, many people listening have probably been through some extremely wicked experiences. Mm-hmm. But if we have the hope that only Jesus brings, we can overcome anything that happens in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. first John, right? Our whole church is reading it. Mm-hmm. First John. And this is what overcomes the world, our faith, mm-hmm. right? right? In Christ, because he has overcome the world. So, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, you know, that's the answer, right? right. But but mm-hmm. it's 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 that simple, but it's not that simple. Everything in the Bible is it's simplexity, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's simple and complex because yeah. we're dealing with the divine truth of God. Yeah. And well. so it's inexhaustible in its riches, but it's inexhaustible in its power. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for listening in, guys. That's the end of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Drop the mic and walk away. That was fantastic. Way to jump to the end, Mike. No, well, no, think, so really going back good. to the looping back to the memories, yeah. right? I mean, I really do yeah. think is we the power of story is is also undeniable, right? And so mm-hmm. our memories allow us to create a story of who we are, and mm-hmm. and and our worldview shapes yeah. like how we perceive things. Yep. For sure, and I think there's a difference between false hope and true hope too, because mm-hmm. there are those who are hopeless. Those are there are those who have 
reoriented and and have a a meaning of hope for them that's not true, and then there's actual hope, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that, that's also important to to work out. And the danger of memories and experience. I was thinking about this in terms of just like a, an analogy. One of Satan's greatest tricks isn't always opposing the church, but infiltrating and twisting the truth. Right. So when you've had an experience, for instance, in a cult or in a in an untrustworthy church with a pastor who's untrustworthy or, or something like mm-hmm. that, and then you make the conclusion that Scripture is not true and churches can't be trusted, well, what's happened there is just because something bad has happened, now you are cutting yourself off from the reality of truth and Scripture yeah. where true hope is found because you've made an assumption on your experience mm-hmm. that this is how all churches are. This is how, this is what the Bible must say, even though you're not making your distinction about that through the actual Scripture, mm-hmm. right? Experience is the teacher, mm-hmm. even though it's a spiritual experience. Right. And it may, you know, I want to just, I guess, validate is the right word, that for many people, those aren't shaped mm-hmm. by one experience, right? Sure. You know, I've, I was working with a client recently and one of the false beliefs that we're working on is essentially that no one is trustworthy. No people are trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a, you know, pretty big conclusion to come Mm -hmm. to. But if we look at her family from origin, every single member of her family, right? Every Mm -hmm. person she's dated, even people in church leadership, like it's not based on one experience. Now, in that case, the same thing is still true. Your experience isn't your most reliable teacher, but there's more to be unpacked there in mm-hmm. the how do we get to the application, right? And God's truth still has to be applied to each of those individual situations. Mm-hmm. Right. So circling back um, to the memory thing, <laughs> it's like eh, rabbit trails. We like them around here, <clears throat> but they're good. Um most people, Mike, don't answer that question as profoundly as you did because you just think deeply about things, which is great. <laughs> but you. most people really perceive memories primarily about how they're going to relate to the past, right? Mm-hmm. So reflecting on the past, relating to the past, where I've come from. And, and that's an aspect of the story, right, that you're mm-hmm. talking about creating a story, understanding who you are, where you came from and all that. Mm-hmm. But from purely a physiological perspective and arguably – also part of God's design, mm-hmm. right, is that our memories exist um, to inform primarily how we respond in the present and how we plan for the future rather than how we relate to the past. And the reason that that's an important distinction is because if you imagine, you know, people who have like amnesia, right, or mm. they wake up every day. It's like that movie, that Adam Sandler movie. 50 First Dates. 50 First Dates, right? Oh, yeah. Where it's like he has to wake up every morning and he watches this video of like his well, life. She does. Right? Or oh, that's right. Yeah, she's the one with the memory issue. Mm. But if she didn't do that, she'd wake up and she wouldn't know where she was and she mm-hmm. wouldn't know who this guy is and she wouldn't know how to relate to him and all of those kinds of things, right? And so the way they are intended to help shape how we relate to the present and how we plan for the future primarily. And Mm -hmm. yet, as you were saying, Mike, memories aren't always reliable, Mm -hmm. specifically Mm -hmm. memories that have been formed while under duress through an experience of trauma Mm -hmm. are not always reliable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why... They're not created in your parasympathetic... What did you say? Parasympathetic. 
Right. So when our sympathetic nervous system is kind of taken over communication, there's a lot of physiological evidence that it affects the way that memories are formed. Mm. Um, I won't get too far into detail about yeah. this, but we have uh, four different types of memory. Mm-hmm. We have semantic memory, episodic memory, emotional memories, and procedural memories. Mm. And there's evidence that um, trauma can affect all four types. Wow. Right? So things like procedural memory, that's stuff that you don't even think about when you're doing it. Is like, it like task-oriented? Yeah, like driving a car, mm-hmm. riding a bike. You know, you don't have to get on the bike and think, okay, push down with your right foot, push down with your left foot, right? right? You just do it, Yes. Mm-hmm. right? Um, but for example, there can be a simple task and if you had a, a you experienced trauma while doing that task, you may then t- begin to experience a physiological response when that doesn't task. make sense when you're doing that task, right? And it doesn't P- actually... PTSD. Exactly, is, yeah. exactly. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the the fact that your sympathetic nervous system is in the driver's seat, if you will, affects how those memories are formed, which mean formed, which means it stands to reason that the experience of trauma would also affect how we respond in the present and how we plan for the future. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's essentially the point that I was trying to make. I have a question. Sure. So it's also, I think, safe to say that um these memories aren't static in where they're stored in our brain, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, cause you said, all right, uh, we'll use the example of me riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't have to think about pushing left down, right down. It, it becomes automatic. Mm-hmm. So at one point I had to really think about that. Mm-hmm. So it was not necessarily stored in the same part of the brain or, or however the physiology works. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Thinking out loud. And then it becomes just an automatic thing. I don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Just, it's like on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Then if I fall, and get seriously injured, or maybe I get hit by a car, which, by the way, that happened one time when I was riding a bike in Los Angeles. 7.30 in the morning, got hit by a car going about 10 miles an hour, rolled off the windshield, landed on my two feet, and the first thing out of my mouth was, are you okay? (laughs) And she drove off, and I never saw that person again. My bike was ruined. That's neither here nor there. You have a traumatic experience, and now that same basic task of riding a bike Mm -hmm. is now causing you a tremendous amount of issue right is it is it stored in the same part of the brain because we act differently to it now or is it now been transferred somewhere else because where i'm going with this is i've heard psychologists talk about you guys talk about one of the best ways to overcome your fears Mm -hmm. so you know proverbially look them in the eye Mm -hmm. and go through them Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. is there something physiological that's going on there yeah so i love this question Mm -hmm. I don't want to get totally out of my depth in terms of speaking to neurology, mm-hmm. but I think the quickest way to answer it is that yes, um, there's there's people have done like research about mm-hmm. even um, there's a, a book called The Body Keeps the Score, mm-hmm. right? That talks mm-hmm. about how we may even have you know because our nervous system spreads throughout our whole body, yeah, right, right? right? We right, have nerves right. in our fingertips. It's not just the brain. The central nervous system and the what peripheral, peripheral nervous system, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we are very spatially oriented people. And so for us, it makes sense to almost think of the brain like a filing cabinet, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, this drawer is for long-term. And I don't think it's that simple, right? But yes, that is very much part of why we talk about processing trauma, right? Because Mm -hmm. when that sympathetic nervous system is firing, there is some evidence that the the part of our brain, like frontal lobe that we normally think through logic with, right, that that kind of becomes less important and we're just reacting Mm -hmm. to stimuli, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we're not forming a memory where we're telling a story. It's more experiential. It's more emotional, Mm -hmm. right? And so you might not have a logical train of thought Mm -hmm. to 
um, be able to recall that memory. Right. And so when we make the intentional choice to talk through it, which mm-hmm. is what we call processing, mm-hmm. it's actually helping your brain to put the pieces back together right. and to put the event in a linear format ah. that you can then you think may... about more clearly and assess yeah. because you can't really assess it when it's in this disjointed right. kind of emotional state. You have to be able to look at the whole thing and then filter it through. Oh. Yeah, because... Because you may only have flashes or you may only realize like, man, when I'm in this situation, I feel panic and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So like Laura's saying, that's part of the processing of the memory and we have techniques to help with that. Mm -hmm. To get the memory all the way out in in a real picture so that then it can be reprocessed through biblical truth. Right. And given the right framework, which gives the person freedom and... And control over the experience in a sense of like making sense of it themselves rightly mm-hmm. and then having the ability to respond to it biblically instead of it. Essentially, tra- trauma can feel like it attacks you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes out of nowhere. I don't mm-hmm. know why this happens every time. Mm-hmm. You know, feels right, that's like, the experience of being triggered. Right, yeah. right. Wow, so there's a reason why the Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, let's get into the Word of God here. I yeah. mean, we've been doing a lot of great discussion. I love it. <laughs> but this it. is the whole, that's like, I'm so glad that we went there because yeah. it points us to the whole reason of like, why are we even talking about this? Yeah. And Chad and I were talking about this um, earlier today, even just that this is an area traditionally where it has been left to the secular world, right? That mm. biblical counseling um, definitely, I mean, I can say coming out of the Christian counseling world, this used to be one of my arguments against biblical counseling. <laughs> Was like Chad's just laughing. I know, no, because I've been really passionate lately about Christian counseling. How wrong, so, how wrong she was, but that's well. not this podcast. <laughs> right. So, but I used to make that argument of like this is part of why like untrained pastoral counselors shouldn't be doing counseling because they don't. There's certain things they don't know how to deal with, like for example, trauma, <laughs> right? And that was my whole argument. And Here we are. this is an issue <laughs> that I feel like even some biblical counselors are kind of afraid to go there, sure. right? Um, or feel ill-equipped for. And so it raises mm. the question of like, right. why are these issues things that we don't believe mm. that the Bible is sufficient for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the scripture is sufficient and we trust that, which forces us then to mine out the truth and and learn how to mm-hmm correctly apply the scriptures and understand it. And actually mm-hmm. trauma is all over scripture. Yeah. Right. And so that's, what's so exciting to me about that verse that you brought up, Mike, because there are some topics, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of areas really where scripture doesn't spell out what to do. Right. Right. It tells us how to be faithful, right. In the midst of it. But there's, there are things that it doesn't necessarily speak to directly. And I think I assumed wrongfully in my human wisdom mm-hmm. that, Trauma wasn't in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out, <laughs> it's turns out the word trauma is a Greek word. How'd you know? Isn't that just crazy? <laughs> and it's literally a transliteration from Greek, T-R-A-U-M-A. And so I went to Strong's Concordance and I typed it in and what do you know? <laughs> it came up. Yeah. And so I actually ended up researching both the word trauma and then also its root words. So if you're familiar with Greek, um, most of the words that, that we, you know, see in scripture, they, they have a base word or a root word, right? So mm-hmm. I went back to the root word and Mike, the passage we were talking about is actually the root word. So if it's okay, I'm going to start with that just explicit word trauma first. 
Um, they're both actually in the book of Luke, mm-hmm. which I found to be interesting, right? Because of Luke's yeah. unique background, He's right? Mm-hmm. He's got this medical background. He's more in this Greek culture, right? And then we see these Greek terms that were probably used primarily as medical terms at right. the time, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. similarly in our world, they're look, it's looked at more of a physiological issue. And the reason that that matters is because we could understand the physiology all day long. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't tell us how to recover. It doesn't tell us how to heal. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell us how to calm it down. There's some tools, right, to grounding exercises and things like that to calm down your sympathetic nervous system. But it doesn't affect your beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Bible does. So let's look at the first passage. Um, it's actually from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37 and the word trauma is found in verse 34 and the the translation at least in the esv version that i was looking at the word that the translator of this um version of scripture chose to use was wound Mm -hmm. so you want to read um that verse mike yeah it says he went to him and bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him Yes, very good. So again, we'll get into more of this on Saturday, but just the quick overview of this passage that I, that I find to be so profound is that this is an explicit example in scripture that God inspired Luke to write where he's acknowledging the experience of trauma and he's also acknowledging his heart of mercy and compassion mm-hmm. toward people who are wounded, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, in this passage, he had physical wounds, right? That's what he's talking yeah, he about. Yeah, beat up pretty good. But it wasn't just physical, was it, Mike? Yeah. Can you imagine the experience of walking down the road and you get attacked, you get robbed, you're stripped naked, left for dead on the side of the road? That's going to affect a person mm-hmm. right. more deeply than physically. Mm-hmm. And the type of care, right, that was extended to him in this passage really looks at the the heart of the person who cared because some people... Right, the righteous people. Right, the priests. They just the walked right on by. Right, which is which is Christ's point of that parable. Mm-hmm. Right, and so for the person who is wounded and to have experienced trauma, mm-hmm. it is even more painful and damaging to them when people don't care. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. an even deeper wound. Right? right. So that's the first mention of trauma in scripture. Did you want also, to add something? Uh, one one wound, I guess, for people people don't care but one that i hear a lot is no one can understand Mm -hmm. and the beauty the beauty of scripture is even though i can't understand your experience the scriptures speak to and the lord understands right Mm -hmm. right we have a great high priest hebrews 4 who understands everything that we've been tempted or went through i mean talk about trauma just look at the cross Mm -hmm. what christ went through you know yeah he was ridiculed beaten yeah and my so, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why I said true hope versus you're not going to just just someone understanding you or caring is not the type of hope you need. Right. It's a part of. Mm-hmm. But what you really need is to be under, uh, understand that there's a holy God who understands deeply your wounds and has an answer for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, that's even a. A very difficult, you know, road to, mm-hmm. to kind of go down with certain people too, because you know 
one of the most common things I hear, mm-hmm. um, and you know, somewhat understandably so, is is that well, how could if God is good, how could He allow this to happen? Which Ooh. I know you guys are going to dive <laughs> deeply into oh, yes. on the on the uh, seminar, <laughs> the you know, the problem of evil. Of evil. Yes. Problem of evil, yes, that's my right. task. And so, um, but you know, hey, look, on its face, yeah. just giving people credit, on its face, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a valid question. Makes sure. sense. But that's very superficially on its face, is what I'm meaning yeah. by that. You know. Well, yeah, the problem of evil, which is a logical right. argument is if God's so powerful and so good, then how can evil exist or how could he allow it to exist? And right. the conclusion that people end up making is, well, he's either not um he's not powerful, uh, he's not or, he's powerful not good. or he's not good. Mm-hmm. And that's neither neither of those are true or the right assumptions. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. We're gonna talk through and I can talk through in a moment. We've actually, we have podcasts on the problem of evil. So yeah. listen out there, yeah. if you want to go deeper into that problem, yeah. scroll down in our podcast selection after you leave a comment and like and subscribe, of course, <laughs> and look for those uh, those podcasts on the problem of evil. But let's stay on the topic of trauma. Okay, yeah. So um, the next word that we looked at is the root word for trauma in the Greek, which is pronounced thrao. And that's coming from my English transliteration. I can't mm, read. That was Greek. very Greek. That was Thank very you. good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I probably would not have said it that way. So, <laughs> I want to hear Chad say it. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do that. I'm using my cheat sheet, but yeah. So, because the word trauma looks similar to the English word trauma, yes. this mm-hmm. one doesn't. But um, so we know that trauma in this version is meaning is meaning wound. Thrao, on the other hand, means to break to break into pieces, shatter to utterly shatter. Wow, mm-hmm. right. And that one, I think, really mm-hmm. demonstrates a deeper, even definition yeah. of mm-hmm. what is trauma. The because, experience of trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think many people would say it is a wound that has left me shattered. Especially because yeah, you were talking about memories. And, mm-hmm. and it sounded, you know, the way mm-hmm. I was interpreting it was like the flow of memories surrounding a traumatic event is broken. It's shattered. It's fragmented. Mm-hmm. So people, they're, they're missing something or they're not dealing with something. They're stuffing their memory or mm-hmm. whatever. And as you guys help them process through that, mm-hmm. they get the, the, the right picture, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. like you're putting all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. Um, so this passage, I just get so fired up every time I talk about it because I feel mm-hmm. like we could probably – this could be a second moment where it's like, all right, and that's it. That's all we need to say. But that let's look at Luke chapter 4. Um, specifically, um, we're in verse 18, but do you want to just read that section, Mike? Yes. It says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the Greek rendering of the Isaiah 61.1 passage. Right. Do you want me to read that one as well? Sure. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. Is that that word shattered there? Actually, the word – and so, again, the reason why we went to the Greek is because we know that – um, as God was inspiring Luke, right, that he chose these words intentionally and they have other meetings. So the, the word thrao in that passage is actually when he says oppressed, mm. where it's talking about being broken or shattered. Um, another one that is is part of the definition is to smite through, right? So it's oh. this idea of being wow. just completely Gutted. under mm. the control of this thing, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so, and I think that's why it relates to freedom. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus goes on to say, right, because this passage in Isaiah, we know it's a messianic prophecy of what the Messiah, what Christ is going to yeah. do. And then Jesus is reminding them, this is the mission that God sent me to earth to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And then he tells them, today it's been fulfilled in your hearing, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that he goes on to be rejected by by Nazareth. Yeah, they try to throw him off a cliff. Right, they're like, wow, that's (laughs) blasphemy. Okay. They tried to kill the guy. Exactly. And they totally missed his compassion. (laughs) (laughs) He's showing up saying, I'm here to bind up your broken heart. I'm here to set you free from oppression. Mm -hmm. And they say, nah, I'd rather do it my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be Mm self-righteous. And if that's not us now, I don't know what is, right? Mm -hmm. But as far as how can we find an understanding of what trauma is in scripture Mm -hmm. and how can we figure out how to respond to it, this passage makes it utterly clear that Jesus is the one Mm. who sets us free Mm. from oppression. He's the one who puts pieces back together. He's the one who applies that Mm. oil and wine, right, Mm. to our bruises, right? Mm. He is the one that we can find hope and healing in. And so that's that's kind of the summary of where we're headed with this. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a good introductory podcast for this topic. Do we have any other sort of further things that you want to get across before we kind of wrap it up here? Well, I think one thing um, in, in addition to this, because the question could still be for someone, well, that's all well and good, but but how could I trust God? Mm. Mm-hmm. The problem of evil still rattles around in people's minds because the only way that those things, those words you just said become hope is mm-hmm. when you trust God. Mm-hmm. And so a couple things I'll just say, I won't give away too much of the seminar so people can come, but there are... I came up with four, and there's probably more, but just as I was thinking through this, four false conclusions that people make when they look at the problem of evil that people assume in their making that conclusion that either God's not all-powerful or or he's not good. Right. And so I think this would be helpful in changing the question that people ask to God or ask about God, mm-hmm. right? And so the four conclusions that I that I see through scripture or things that must happen is number one, we must assume that sinful, finite humans are morally good in their thinking. Mm. In order for us to question God in that way, it's us looking at the world making this conclusion. So I'm automatically assuming that that I'm morally good in my reasoning. Right? Which we can't make that assumption. Mm-hmm. Right? That'd be a wrong assumption to make. Also we have to deny that Scripture is God's Word because Scripture is the one that teaches us about God's character. So for us to look at the world around us and our experiences and make that conclusion, then we have to reject Scripture, which is where we find the hope, which is that's why I say it's important for people to think through this. Right. The third assumption that we make when we make the conclusion that God's either not powerful or not good is we have to assume that God owes us an explanation for his allowance of evil. Mm. This is where he speaks to Job. You know, every yeah, time that ever t- every time that someone experiences something and they come before the Lord, the Lord never even um, defends himself, right? Because why does a holy God have to defend himself to to humans that we we can't even understand the depths 
of everything that is happening in the universe, right? Yeah, like the parent doesn't have to defend themselves to their children, to right. their infants. And so, and we see that with Job and in, in, in Romans 9. And then the last conclusion that people make in order to, or assumption that they make to make the conclusion that he's either not powerful or not good, is that we have to conclude that hope can be found apart from God. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to reject God because He's obviously not all powerful, all good. So I can go find it elsewhere. Right? I think the, I think that's probably one of the most common mm-hmm. conclusions people make, which is a dangerous conclusion because we know yeah. that that's not true. Oh yeah. If you just look at the world around us, look at statistics with people who struggle with trauma. Who's found mm-hmm. hope? Tell me one person who's found it. Mm-hmm. You won't find it. Mm-hmm. St- statistics for depression, anxiety, suicide, drug addiction only continue to rise. Mm-hmm. And so. The one thing, and and we're going to walk through the story of Joseph and then eventually look at the cross, but for the end of this podcast, what what we should say is, how can God be sovereign or all-powerful or omnipotent and evil exists, or how or God must not be good if evil exists, is, is really the wrong question to ask. The right question is, is what is God's answer for evil, and how do we find the hope that we are desperate for? That's good. That's the right question because those assumptions I just laid out are false assumptions. Mm-hmm. We are we barely know what's going to happen in the next moment. For us to think that we have the understanding of spiritual things and the universe and why everything comes together is a prideful wrong assumption, mm-hmm. right? And and God doesn't have to explain Himself to be good. It doesn't just because evil exists does not mean that God is not good, mm-hmm. and it does not mean that He's not all powerful, and it does not mean that He's not sovereign. It does not mean that He doesn't have an answer for it. The cross proves that mm-hmm. His all of His character, His sovereignty, His power, everything is displayed in the cross. I would also say that the Book of Revelation pretty clears clearly yeah. uh, spells it, out what He's going to do with evil exactly. at the very end. Yeah, exactly, and He the evil will be fully overcome there will be vindication absolutely so just because it exists and just because we've interacted with it and experienced it does not mean that god is not the source of good it means he he is the only source of good and so we should ask the question how do i find it in him Mm -hmm. how do i how do i begin to process this and understand the nature of it all and how it works in order to reorient the belief rightly in the scriptures Mm -hmm. and begin to walk in and find identity in Christ and not be identified by the trauma that I faced. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. How do I begin to find the true hope that's only found in Christ so that the end is that I, that all this is overcome. Right. And it's also the direct answer to why isn't it enough to just deal with the physiology of trauma Mm -hmm. because we aren't just physical beings. Right. And we can't, you can't isolate the, the mm-hmm. physical from the emotional, mental, spiritual aspects of a person. Right. And the beliefs that we have about God and ourselves right. have very practical implications for every single day of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the hope that we try right. to offer in this context. Right. Healing right. of the soul is most important. Absolutely. Well, I want to end this podcast with a portion of Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, amen. Well, if you have not given your life to Christ and not acknowledged his lordship over your life, if you do not believe that he is who he says he is and indeed who he proved himself to be, we would encourage you to search the scriptures and ask him, mm-hmm. ask him for understanding and continue until you have found that hope mm-hmm. that so many people throughout the ages have found. We thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.